Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. A study of 25,000 publicly traded companies from 1950 to 2009 found companies lasted on average 15 years, or not even one generation. In addition, 10 years on the S&P 500 have been getting shorter. Remarkably, my guest today is at the helm as the fifth generation family member of a global diversified privately owned corporation that's been serving customers for 150 years. Headquartered in Evansville, Indiana, founded in 1873, the company early on sold tin horns and metal furniture, then moved into paint finishing systems, and then diversified into businesses ranging from aluminum recycling to HVAC equipment distribution. The family involvement has always been a constant in the story of innovation and sustained growth. I am charged up that listeners have a chance to hear from my friend and president and CEO of Cook Enterprises, Kevin Cook. Kevin, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you, Molly. It's really a pleasure to be here today with you and be able to share some of our story. Uh, by the way, I think what you're doing with this, this podcast is fantastic. We can all benefit from improving our communication skills, especially me. And I know the difference between delivering a tough message in an artful way, you know, managing your your body language, your tone, your messaging uh, can make a huge difference in your relationships and even your career. So, uh, again, I appreciate what you're doing. It's a very important. Well, I thank you. And that says a lot. And I think your listeners uh, appreciate when the the person at the top really embraces that and role models it. Wow. It sets a really different culture. So, uh, clearly, your people are really fortunate, Kevin. Um, and I appreciate the company operates six distinct businesses. You serve on numerous company and nonprofit boards. And a really big thank you for carving out time. Uh, oh, and we must share our appreciation of dear Marshall Goldsmith as we cross paths as part of the 100 Coaches community. So love you, Marshall. Yeah, I'm really uh, uh, privileged and honored to be part of Marshall's 100 Coaches group. Uh, first met Marshall about actually 15 years ago at a Tuck uh, leadership program and uh, uh, was fortunate enough to join the 100 Coaches about five years ago. So great friend and a great mentor and a, and a great connector of people. And again, that's how obviously how Molly and I met. So uh, thank you, Marshall. Yeah, yeah, we love you. So, okay, the reality is we've had this deluge of layoffs, right? So I am particularly keen for listeners to learn more about how your company has found ways to thrive for so long. Um, and I know you had quite a career before joining the family operation. So let's start with your amazing journey. Well, uh, thanks, Molly. I'm happy to share that with you. Um, and, and you know, the, the tech layoffs are making all the headlines right now, but uh, I think unemployment is still very low and we still have quite a few open positions, but uh, uh, the, the, the layoffs are grabbing headlines. Hopefully the recession, or if we're gonna get one, it will be mild. Uh, but I know uh, certain companies are taking taking certain actions, and and you'll get a sense of our long term focus uh, as I go through some of some of the comments I want to make. But uh, as a kid, I grew up in uh, a small, medium sized town, Evansville, Indiana. We're about 130,000 people here in 
southwestern Indiana on the Ohio River. Uh, it's a small uh, conservative town. Uh, I have a uh, uh, my dad is German by uh, by nationality. My mom is Italian, so they're both uh, several generations removed from uh, from Europe, but uh, that is their their lineage and their and their upbringing. Uh, I have an older brother named David, and I have two younger sisters. One is Kristen, and the other is Jennifer. So, uh, uh, Catholic family of uh, four kids and parents, and fairly uh, normal uh, uh, upbringing. You know, aside from the fact that we we're part of a family business, uh, uh, raised up in the, the Catholic school system. Uh, my parents really uh, supported us in academics and uh, in the extracurricular activities. Uh, we all played soccer, tennis, uh, sports like that. And we actually uh, went to a high school that was uh, quite accomplished in soccer. And, and uh, we all have a, a state championship under our belt. So uh, again, living living in the past, uh, it was fun and, and uh, we really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, growing up, I, I really enjoyed math and science. I was really curious about how things work. Uh, you know, we were encouraged to get jobs early. So I was a, I was a paper, I had a paper route. I was a lifeguard, different, different jobs, uh, um, you know, in my high school and, uh, then into college, uh, doing some internships at the company, but, uh, trying to get more exposed to the company over time. Uh, Family-wise, uh, you know, we we traveled a bit. Uh, my father was in YPO, so I got uh, some education uh, about business through YPO. Uh, we have a strong faith uh, background in in the the Catholic Church, and and as I mentioned, went to Catholic high school. Uh, giving back and improving our communities has always been important to our to our family. I remember as a child, my mother. Uh, uh, calling up the school board and protesting how many snow days we were having because uh, they closed school too easily uh, back then. But uh, and, and they also had other other roles in uh, junior league and the cancer society, serving on different uh, boards of museums and and uh, universities. So uh, a long long history of of uh, giving back as well. The um, uh, I, th- I think you were asking about. Uh, influence of parents and, and how they are, how they impact your values. And, um, you know, we were always, uh, I mentioned the academic, um, uh, focus and, uh, focus on achievement and working hard in school to get good grades was always, uh, top of mind in our, in our upbringing. So we, we focused on that. Uh, you know, I would say as a, as a teenager, I was, uh, I pushed my boundaries. I, I, uh, I, Probably did a lot of things I wasn't supposed to do and, and, uh, probably could have been, uh, a much better, uh, teenager. But, uh, I think that's part of growing up and, and, and learning and, and, uh, and, uh, experiencing different things. So from, from my parents, I learned, uh, my mom, I learned about cooking. I really lo- love cooking, uh, travel, love travel. And I even like, uh, getting out and working in the yard. So, uh, even, even relatively ordinary tasks, I, I still enjoy and do uh, as much as I can. Uh, as as a youth, I was uh, my dad would bring me into the office sometimes, and and uh, this was back in the late '70s. The company was quite a bit smaller. We were about 75 million in revenue. Uh, we had three businesses: uh, the paint finishing business, the HVAC distribution business, and the die casting business. 
And one of the best things about going in on uh, on Saturdays was the donuts. So they always had donuts on Saturday. And if you went on Saturday, uh, uh, there was usually a group of, uh, of people to wash cars. So they would sponsor fundraisers and car washes, and they'd come to the office and wash wash the cars of people who came in on Saturday. So there's some of my some of my memories about about early work or going to, going to the office with my dad, uh, getting to work on the drafting tables and draw and and uh, do small projects for for uh, around the office, making signs and things like that. So very very. Uh, positive uh, early memories of, of coming to the office. One quick thing. Do you remember your father ever kind of saying, hey, one day you'll be in here. Was there any sort of uh, connection or seed planted? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it was more more unspoken. I think he was uh, not really wanting to put undue influence or, or stress on that. Um, but after a time in our thirties, I think he began to wonder, is anyone ever going to come back and work at this business? So, uh, uh, it, it was not expected or was, was, it wasn't overt, but, uh, you know, I had this, uh, joke with my, with my, uh, brothers and sisters about, I can just see one day there's going to be, uh, you know, something terrible is going to happen. There's going to be a VHS tape in the safe and it's going to be give us all instructions of what we're supposed to do. But uh, luckily, that that didn't happen, and uh, and we had a uh, a great entry into the business, and uh, and uh, uh, you know, growing up through the ranks in the business as well. So, um, uh, you know, that that was my experience there. That's great. So, uh, as I uh, went through high school, I ended up at Notre Dame, and uh, I I. Really uh, knew I wanted to do engineering, and my father went there, and it was uh, obviously a great opportunity for me. So I'm really happy, happy that I went there. The first year it was uh, a lot tougher than I thought. Uh, even when you're in the top 10% of your high school class, and you go to uh, a school like that, um, and you're in the weed out classes of engineering, I was in for a very rude awakening. I thought I was going on vacation. I took my golf clubs and I don't think I touched them once in my freshman year. So, uh, but it did get better. Uh, I, I, uh, focused on a, on a class in material science engineering, which I really enjoyed. It kind of blended things like chemistry and mechanical engineering together. And, uh, and I really enjoyed the uh, professor who taught the intro course and, uh, and that became my, my, uh, my, undergraduate degree actually in uh, metallurgical engineering so you don't you don't hear that every day but I, I really enjoyed the curriculum and we uh, we I'll talk about it a little bit later but we do have a family employment policy where um, you know we require anyone in the family who wants to join the business to to get an undergraduate degree and most of us uh, in, in my generation have gotten engineering degrees uh, followed up uh, with an MBA a number of years later but um, it was uh, a great experience at Notre Dame. And then when I graduated, I, I think I just wanted to move uh, as far away as I could and really spread my wings. So I, I ended up working for uh, Westinghouse in, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, it was, it was a, a great experience to learn engineering in a, in a large company. Uh, I, after that, I went to grad school at Indiana University, the Kelly School and uh, had jobs at uh, Ford Motor Company and also at uh, uh, EDF in, in Dallas. So 
uh, working from these large companies uh, uh, was a great experience. I got I got uh, experience in engineering, brand management, purchasing. Although uh, some of the negative sides of large companies is they could be uh, bureaucratic. Um, you can get pigeonholed in your role. A lot of things you do are all uh, um, have to go through legal. So uh, again, a lot of bureaucracy. Uh, and you mentioned longevity. Well, two of those companies don't exist by that name anymore. So uh, EDS was purchased by uh, Hewlett Packard and uh, Westinghouse was bought by Siemens. So two out of my three uh, companies are now in some some different form or fashion. So a quick thing on this, um, and it just strikes me as very, you know, up above board and you know, do the right thing sort of upbringing. Kevin, and in the corporate world, there can be a lot of jockeying for a position and, you know, stuff goes on. And I'm just curious, did did you see any of that? Uh, as a, um, you know, an engineer going to a, a senior engineer, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it was, I did not experience that. Um, the, uh, the the Ford program was a, um, a Ford uh, college graduate program that they knew bring uh, new MBAs into and rotate them through different uh, aspects of the business. Uh, so no, I did I didn't experience that. That's super. And did you come up? I'm just curious, particular role models or people that uh, strongly influenced you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, my father, uh, you know, uh, a strong work ethic. Um, always uh, impressed upon me uh you know my grandfather who was also in the business uh, uh and, until he passed away in the 80s but uh yeah both of those uh men or impacted me and and uh, uh taught me about business and and uh you know as as we uh talk about the company today uh the impact we can have on on people's lives on our communities and and just making making our communities a better place Oh, here, here, we love that. The uh, how, I'm, I'm wondering. So, this, your dad's having this. You guys in your 30s, like, hello, is anyone coming back? So, how did you um, come back to the mothership? So, at the at the time, I was living in in Dallas. I think my brother was working in Florida. I had a couple cousins who were uh, working in in Chicago or doing some other uh, rotational type uh, type. Uh, 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 stints for other large companies, but uh, I think we all felt a uh, a desire to come back to. I think you know we'd we'd uh, uh, sown our uh, some of our wild oats, and we were ready to to come back, settle down, and uh, and meaningfully impact the business. So um, it was uh, again. I was about thirty three, and uh, and uh, I just felt in my heart it was it was time to come back and uh, and see if I could help the company some. So I can imagine also because there's this fine line of the family and the not family. And so how did your father and other relatives navigate, you know, bringing folks in in a way that was, you know, really the right way? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'll expand a bit on the um, employment policy policy. Uh, a couple of things that are part of that. One is uh, I mentioned the undergraduate degree. Um, also, um, 
it's expected that you work outside the the uh, family company for for uh, two to five years, and in that time period to get a promotion. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, when you come back, you would write a letter about why you wanted to come back and apply for an open position as opposed to having a position being made for you. So I think it was, uh, you know, quite wise uh, to have one of these in place. It's it's uh, shows all, you know, as, when you come in as a, as a son of an owner, there's obviously a stigma attached. You're being watched. You've got to sacrifice and work harder than, than the person next to you. So um, I think it helps set the tone for uh, expectation of, uh, of service and, and uh, not a, um, you know, something given to you on a, on a silver platter that uh, you had to work and even work harder than, than the person next to you. Yeah, the um, how, what was the dynamic of the kids in this? You know, was it kind of obvious where people's strengths were? And you know, I could you, you hear some wild stories of you know siblings butting heads a little bit. So I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, not uncommon, and there's uh, yeah plenty of stories about that in the press. And uh, we've been quite fortunate. Uh, the uh, company is is large enough that we uh, were able to to get experience in different parts of the of the business. Uh, I, my first job was in the die casting business. Uh, my brother was in the HVAC business. Uh, there, the, with a, you know, we've got about currently about 2,800 uh, team members, and so there's there's room to spread out and to to get experience. And uh, again, I worked for an, a um, a uh, purchasing manager at, at the die casting operation, and and uh, again worked my way up through the years, but. Um, the, the 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 biggest transition that we probably made, but we, we we've moved family around a bit from time to time to find experience in different in different parts of the business to understand the company better that they were responsible for stewarding, um, and uh, uh, in I guess it was uh, early 2010 ish, uh, my father started putting in the uh, uh, transition. Uh, process. So uh, what that involved was selecting or having an outside, a committee of family members who are involved in the business and an outside board director to uh, conduct a transition uh, selection process or succession succession process uh, with an outside facilitator. So uh, I was involved, my brother and a cousin-in-law were all all, uh, vying for the position and uh, we went through panel interviews and essay questions and 360s and SWOT analysis and a lot, a lot of input in uh, the selection process and, and, the, and the future direction of the company. So I was fortunate enough to be selected for that role and uh, been in that role for about for about 10 years now. So uh, in the meantime, or, or at the same time of that, my brother was promoted to run the company that I used to run. Uh, called Break Supply Company, and the cousin-in-law um, uh, moved over to run the die casting business. So it was uh, it was an uh, opportunity for all of us to expand our uh, our experience and our and our scope. So it was it was it was positive and well received. Yeah, that's very it's really fabulous for your father to to conduct it with such intention, and it just 
sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that people realize they could find a place where they could add the right value and not make a personal. But I don't know. Was it, I would imagine a little bit of, you know, weirdness relationship-wise, but at the end of the day, you're all there for the greater good. Yep. And, uh, you know, communication is the key. Uh, you know, we're all, all of the, so there are seven of us in the uh, fifth generation. Uh, my sister runs our foundation. My brother runs one of the operating divisions. I've got uh, a cousin that runs an operating division, another cousin who's been elevated to our VP of HR, which is, I think, is an increasingly important role these days. Um, another a cousin-in-law in mergers and acquisitions and a cousin-in-law in an operating company. So um, we're all, we're all busy uh, trying to move the company forward. And, and uh, I give credit to my father and my uncle who are now uh, non-executive chairman and vice chairman and uh, their willingness and ability to step back from the business to let the next generation uh, run the business has been uh, exemplary. You know, you hear so many stories where the older generation holds on and uh, uh, people go around the, you know, the current president and that sort of thing to get back to the, to the old regime. And uh, they've done a fantastic job. Now, while I'll say they come into the office many days out of the week, they are not involved in the day to day. And uh, they, they, they let me do my job. They support me. And uh, I'm really, really fortunate for that. Wow, that is, that's, boy, you can't buy that. That's very, it's very mature and very yes. impressive. We <laughs> will know the headlines we've read. So I'm really fascinated about the, you know, for folks who are non-family and getting, obviously you want to get great talent. I, I, I can imagine that not all senior roles are filled by family and, that I think it could feel for non-family, like, oh, I'm never family. I can't get in. So just talk about navigating and you know, being upfront about that dynamic. Yeah. Um, well, you know, all things being equal, we will uh, consider uh, uh, family members for, for some of the higher, highest roles in the company. Uh, that being said, we, you know, we operate as a meritocracy. So, we are making sure that uh, we do compensation uh, analysis, benefits. Uh, uh, everyone in the company is subject to the same uh, policies, procedures, uh, and I, I think it levels levels the pay- playing field. In addition, uh, having the size of our company and the number of uh, of team members. There are often times that uh, someone could move from one subsidiary to another for a promotion or an opportunity to advance where they, when they may have uh, reached the, the highest level of a, of a small subsidiary. So we have um, uh, seven operating companies and five of them have outside presidents, so non-family presidents. And uh, they, they uh, are operating essentially uh, – uh, businesses that have revenues from uh, $70 million to $600 million. So quite a bit of responsibility and uh, opportunity to achieve uh, great things, even even if you're not a, a, a family member. Yeah, that's impressive. So let's talk a little bit about your leadership 
journey, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I've said to folks, you know, this is you know, getting grounded with yourself is so important and people can feel it when the, especially the, the top dog is grounded in themselves. And so just maybe a bit about things that you it struggled with. I imagine there were things that were hard, maybe heaven forbid you made some mistakes, Kevin. So it'd be great to just appreciate, you know, the roller coaster getting to where you are now. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I think I enjoy uh, learning and education. And, and uh, I, I'd say over the years, we've changed, you know, modified our focus. Uh, leadership styles have, have changed over the years. It's not really um, command and control anymore. <laughs> we, uh, you know, really need to get ideas from our people, how to improve what's working well, what's working not, or what's not working. Um, you know, recognizing that the smartest people in the in the room aren't necessarily in the offices to really, uh, I think, get our, our people to to share with us their ideas so that we can become a better person and they can uh, enjoy uh, more responsibility and, and uh, a more fulfilling uh, uh, career. Um, you know, from a, uh, a development perspective, we have a number of tools that we use that uh, we are using more and more uh, development plans, career paths, 360s, uh, assessments, and all these give, I think something that you're, you're real familiar with is uh, creating more self-awareness. So, uh, you know, you have your your view of how you view yourself, but it may not be how everyone else views you. And, and there may be things, uh, blind spots, things you're not aware of, uh, whether it is uh, how you carry yourself, your presence, uh, uh, as particularly for family members who are who are very closely watched and and uh, and uh, I don't say judged, but uh, at least observed about how how we react to certain situations. Uh, it's uh, things that we don't always think about. So in, in my personal journey, just learning from my leadership reviews of things that I need to be aware of or ways that I can improve have been, have been really helpful. And uh, I think being open to that uh, uh, advice and ideas has been, has been helpful. So we get plenty of ideas and, and ways for uh, us to improve. Uh, we also do an annual or biannual um employee engagement survey and uh, uh, originally based on the uh, Gallup Gallup poll uh, survey we've modified it over the years uh, to to uh, capture some of the the, the more recent thinking and in in, uh, in uh, employee engagement and again we learn learn a lot from that and uh, are able to address concerns and make changes and and uh, and help our company overall. But I, I think uh, our our engagement levels and our participation rate uh, go a long way to uh, to make us feel like we're on, we're on the right track. That's music to my ears when the senior folks are open about their own self awareness and that we're we all have blind spots and we're here to help you find them and to work through them. It just goes a super super long way. You know, with there's a lot of uh, shifts, I think, you know, the COVID uh, experience, I'm, I'm just wondering, 
the any any things you've noticed about folks. You know, I do hear some folks feel challenged about work ethic that they're experiencing. Uh, people changing jobs a lot. Just curious, some of the um, people dynamics that you folks are seeing. Well, uh, yeah, COVID was a real a real eye opener for us, and 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 I think for a lot of people, obviously. Um, two of our largest businesses were shut down for uh, more than two months. So our a die casting business and our metals recycling, aluminum recycling business that supply the automotive industry were shut down. Uh, so obviously that was, that was uh, difficult to deal with and, uh, you know, reducing schedules and, and uh, trying to stay, uh, you know, uh, uh, in good financial shape while this was going on. No one knew how long it was going to last or when it would end. So obviously a great period of uncertainty. Uh, on the other hand, we had another business that had a, a record year in 2020. So I think that goes to show you the uh, the strength of being diversified and uh, being able to weather a lot of storms, um, you know, just in terms of uh, uh, the impact since COVID is we, you know, we do have uh, some companies where it's uh, we, we do allow work from home in some, some cases for some jobs. So that's obviously a big change from where we've come in the past. Uh, most of our jobs ha- are manufacturing or distribution. So the, the great number of people really have to be on site every day. Uh, but getting back to the 2020 with the fear and uncertainty, there was, uh, you know, a lot of shared uh, sacrifice we uh, uh, reduced salaries across the board. We uh, 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 eliminated board fees, and and uh, everyone uh, uh, sort of hunkered down to to get through it. And uh, of course, we've all reinstated all those things since then, then and have come through uh, uh, stronger. And uh, I think I mentioned earlier to you, we're still. Still trying to hire another another 200 or some odd people, but uh, uh, the business is in is in uh, really good shape right now, and uh, something I'm I'm proud of. Wow, 200. Okay, folks, 200 jobs. <laughs> the company's not going under as far, as far as we can tell. That's awesome. The um, um, I was thinking about the uh, bringing in younger. The you're just kind of curious in the demographics. Are you experiencing? Younger folks coming in and, you know, just we talk, hear a lot about diversity and embracing, you know, our differences. Mm-hmm. And just, I'm just wondering how that's going for you. Well, um, you know, we're finding a real uh, shortage of skilled trades. That's, uh, uh, you know, could be maintenance or welding, machining. Uh, it's just more and more difficult to find those, those uh, skill sets. We have uh, trouble uh, staffing uh, second and third shift type operations. So uh, again, these are challenges I think a lot of uh, a lot of companies are dealing with. Uh, those with large, uh, you know, capital expense and and being able to utilize and and operate uh, around the clock or or uh, are again difficult to find uh, everyone we need to to uh, to uh, you know, fill those spots. So a lot of outreach to to high schools, to community colleges, uh, 
We've got a number of uh, scholarship programs where we offer uh, scholarships to uh, underrepresented uh, classes to uh, get degrees in, in positions that we need. So, um, again, trying to put, put our money where our mouth is. Uh, and that's part of our, uh, uh, one of the initiatives of our, of our foundation. That's fabulous. The the thing that I and as listeners may know, I, I've uh, been involved a bit with the the Tugboat Institute and Dave Wharton, who founded that. They're really about these evergreen companies that go the distance, like yours. And obviously, the last the last fifty years, much less one hundred and fifty, you've just got to excel in the innovation, which does mean you know, folks the word conflict or difference and they kind of freak out but we don't innovate if people aren't bringing new ideas and different ideas so you know i'm i just love to hear how do you how do you, you talk about hearing from the field getting the ideas and making the call to go into the new businesses i just love to hear because i have to imagine that's a very exciting um you know opportunity for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um you know, new products, new services are always exciting and interesting. We also spend a lot of time improving our our operations, and uh, uh, that could be uh, you know using less expensive resources, uh, uh, re re reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, a number of our businesses are actually in the in the recycling business, so we we remanufacture. Parts for uh, but used in heavy equipment, and uh, we also recycle uh, end of life cars to make new new uh, aluminum uh, uh, alloys. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's probably not so uh, sexy on a really granular level, but uh, again, every day blocking and tackling to improve our uh, our our uh, our productivity. Um, in in some cases, we're looking at automation. Uh, use of, of of robots and other types of automation equipment so that uh, we can put our our team members on more uh, value added activities so so raise up their level uh, and and replace with uh, some of the old positions with with a more automated uh, type type uh, equipment yeah i I have uh, a a soft spot for the what I would say the kind of the not sexy right? <laughs> this blocking and tackling moving along uh, making it happen I love it and I think it's um, it's very inspirational Kevin that um, you know the way you guys are you know I don't want to say slogging it out you're just kind of day in day out you know trying to be a little bit better than the next day and uh, you know I think there's a lot to be said for this um, I would say a rigorous approach, not necessarily a growth for growth's sake. There's so much uh, hype, I think, about that. And I, I, you know, I think for, for listeners, that ability to look at places that have the strong values, that put their money where their mouth is, you know, they do that they say they're going to do is, is, you know, not to be old fashioned, but, you know, I think that there's a, a need to kind of get back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a, What's the most challenging part of leading all of this for you, Kevin? Well, um, you know, I'm quite quite excited that uh, we had uh, a record uh, revenue last year for, and, and then this year celebrating our 150th year. So again, there's a lot of lot of pride here. 
I think some of the most challenging aspects of the job are uh, maybe dealing with a underperforming operation. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's always difficult when a business is struggling, and uh, and how how do you get it on on firm footing? So that that can be a challenge from time to time. Uh, you know, also we deal with. I don't want to paint too broad of a brush here, but uh, some some customers in the automotive business can be very difficult to work with, and we have a a pretty big exposure to automotive. So those are probably my my uh, my biggest challenges, and and where I uh, I uh, uh, you know stress out a little bit about. So, so let's talk about the stress. How do you? <laughs> As a leader, handle your stress. This is a very, you know, people say, oh, it's lonely at the top, you know, and it's really important to be able to have safe space uh, or any of the senior folks. So how, how do you um, get what you need? Yeah. Well, um, you know, we've got a lot of family around here and, and uh, you know, we've all been in, in uh, similar type situations in different parts of our careers. So I certainly can share that with family Uh uh, YPO forum group has been helpful in that area. And, uh, and of course my, my wife helps take a lot of the, the burden off me as well. Uh, you know, I love being, uh, spending time with my family and my kids. I've got a 12 year old and a 15 year old and they're involved in lots of activities. And I love to take them to, to school in the morning and attend a lot of their events. But, uh, really my wife, Margaret of, of 21 years does a lot of the, a lot of the heavy lifting for me and uh, again is, is my rock there. That's so fabulous. Would you talk a bit about the, you know, cause you're growing the business. Obviously there's just this, when it's a family thing of such longevity, there's this just sense of purpose there and you want to be a great dad and husband. And, you know, I think um, hearing the the male side sometimes of how do you, how do you balance that? And what's made it work? Uh, so I, I'm curious if that was, ever challenging for you or, you know, Margaret just superstar and just made it all at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's interesting. Uh, the company has sort of transitioned more from a owner operator to a, uh, to a holding company. So at the holding company level, it seems that uh, your job is, is more to uh, support, guide, provide capital to the subsidiaries, uh, make sure the right person is running it and that they have the right strategic plans. So um, when I ran an operating division of the company, it was a lot more complicated, a lot more stressful, a lot more uh, uh, time involved. So I'm I'm fortunate that... uh, uh, to be in the role I am where, uh, you know, if I need a break away to get to a, to a kid's event, I, I can do that. So I, again, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate to be in that position. Uh, but, uh, you know, the company is, is, uh, again, it's performing well and, uh, we've, we've made good investments and, and, uh, uh, expanding our metals, uh, recycling business in Texas. We, we bought a new company in, uh, in Springfield, Missouri in 2021, that's in the food processing and telecom business. And again, more avenues for growth and, and, uh, and again, diversification. Wow. That's exciting to get into new spaces. 
Um, I, I'm curious if you think about being a father, uh, what, what that help, what's that help? How's that helped you be a better uh, executive or being an executive? How's that helped you be a better father? Any thoughts? Well, um, I'm again, I'm very fortunate. My kids are much better than I, when I, me than I, when I was a high schooler. So, uh, uh, I, I, I learned from them. They're, they're super motivated and, uh, they are very passionate. Uh, the younger one is in dance and the older one, uh, enjoys volleyball and both, both kind of a club sports. So we're getting ready to do a lot of travel. So I guess, I guess patience and, and doing the things that they like to do as opposed to taking them on the things I like to do is, uh, has been kind of learning for me. Uh, but I think it's a, a good way to connect. And then also, um, I think spending time with the, uh, with each child individually without my spouse, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a volleyball tournament or a, or a, a, a dance, uh, competition that, uh, I go with just one of the daughters. And, uh, again, lots of chances to, uh, to connect and, and, uh, and get on the same page with them. So, uh, again, good, good quality time together is, uh, what I'm looking forward here in the next couple months. Yeah. I listen, it's great. I was one of three girls and I know how doting we are. So I just feel like having daughters is just, just there's nothing, the father daughter bond, you know I mean? I was like 10 until I realized my dad was actually capable of making a mistake. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, dads are like Superman, you know? So that's <laughs> so amazing. You know, I'd love to segue, you know, we, uh, when we, you know, it's just so clear, you've got this sense, this is where we're heading and you have, you know, the, the privilege and this history of, you know, what's work continuing to evolve it, of course. But when you see how um, publicly some of organizations are being led and some of the behaviors of leaders, I'm just curious, uh, you know, any words of wisdom you might have to young people as they come out? Uh, looking to work in organizations, you know, what do you think needs to happen and how we could amp up uh, uh, how people lead? Yeah, there's, uh, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of interest and, and, uh, and momentum uh, driving to, you know, more of a people centered leadership type model Uh making sure that the people in our care, uh, you know, go home safe every night, that they go home fulfilled every night. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, uh, Barry Waymiller companies in St. Louis, but uh, Bob Chapman has been a big proponent of this. And we learned a lot from him. In fact, met with him just a couple weeks ago in St. Louis, but, uh, but uh, just making sure that uh, we, we can, give our team members the best experience possible so that they can go home and they have, uh, you know, successful marriages and well-adjusted children and, and really is a, sort of a, a grassroots effort for improving our societies through the way that we, we treat our team members. So really powerful stuff and uh, encourage the listeners to, to check out uh, a book by Bob Chapman. And, uh, and uh, I think he's also got a Ted talk if you, if you're, if you'd like to learn more about it, but we've, we've modeled a bit of that uh, through the years with our H3 lean guiding principles about how we operate, how we treat people. 
and uh, ultimately trying to build uh, better communities and and more fulfilled team members. Oh, spectacular. We will include the, the link for that, and that is music to my ears. And I appreciate how proactively you're out there, you know, raising the bar for yourself, Kevin, because that's obviously where it starts. Um, so let's segue to the Saint Skillfully part of the show. So I am curious, any tough conversation or challenging situation we can unpack? Well, um, I, I mentioned a difficult uh, uh, conversation with a uh, uh, customer uh, regarding uh, uh, having to give price increases. So uh, in these times of higher inflation, uh, contracts that were signed, um, you know, five and 10 years ago on fixed prices are, uh, are not sustainable. So uh, something that we deal with from time to time is uh, having to increase prices. Oh, that is a really great one. And um, I appreciate you bringing it up. Uh, so just as um, a thought for your listeners to know, we have this framework, me, than you, than we. And the me is kind of how do we, and this could be you, this could be the person in purchasing who's raising prices, but you know, how do we feel about it? And, you know, sometimes, oh, I'm going to feel bad and I feel guilty and whatever one feels is valid, is valid, of course, but I encourage folks to just get whole with ourselves. What do I feel? Why do I feel that? And is that helpful for me to feel? And, and I do think I want folks to not be their worst enemies and rather than be their best friends. And so realizing that this can be a little bit of a head fake, like, hey, you know, that we're here for the long haul. And we need to make sure we're charging the right prices that enable us to sustain the business and deliver the high quality service, what have you, that we want. And so it's a little bit of this, this is a right thing to do, right? So, and, and mm-hmm. when you get in the headspace, then it enables an inhale, this feeling of, okay, this is really the right thing. It's really the right thing long-term for everyone, even though they may not be happy, right? And then the you is what's, the, what's, gonna, what's going on for the other person? And appreciating these are longstanding uh, relationships and they had expectations and, you know, no one wants it, it prices raised, but so empathy saying, you know, I get it, you know, it's hard. And, um, but also helping educate, right. Can be a way to help through that. So that's saying, Hey, I want to deliver a message so that person realizes it's not personal. Uh, we've really looked at this and this is the, the number that we think we can do. And we wish we didn't have to. Um, but we hope you could understand it. If you were in our shoes, we're, we're here for the long haul. We want to make sure that we're able to, you know, do the right thing by all. And then the, the whole thing is the we at the top is saying, hey, we're here for a long-term partnership with you, right? And again, we would rather not have to do this, but this is a reality. Uh, we feel this is the minimum we can do. And, and we're here committed to help you be the best that you can be. And I hope you appreciate that, that that's what we're here to do. Something like that. How does that matter? That, 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 that's fantastic. Because um, <laughs> I reviewed a draft letter and none of those words were in it today. <laughs> Send it over. I'll edit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, are, those are fantastic ideas. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that's my pleasure. I appreciate you raising it. Um, okay, let's. Uh, I want to go to a little bit of reflection as we wrap up here. You know, you've, you've, you know, you're still a lot, lot of runway going forward. So that's fabulous. But, but for listeners, it'd be interesting if there's anything that you can think back that might be a regret or something you would just do over. 
assuming everything is the way it is, right? Anything you might have mm-hmm. done differently, said differently, you know. I think just more appreciation for um, uh, the way different people operate. So, so I am analytical, results-driven, and intrinsically motivated. And that's not, and I'm, I'm coming to the, to the uh, understanding that that's not all people. All people are not like me. In fact, probably most people are not like me. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding, and I look behind and there's no one there. And, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think sometimes I, I fail to, really engage people on an, immers- on an emotional level uh, uh, more about the facts and figures, but that's not, uh, that's not really, uh, I think, motiv- motivating to a, to a lot of people. So that kind of understanding and um, uh, self-awareness, I think, is, uh, is, is more and more helpful to me, you know, being more vulnerable, sharing more, uh, uh, being more, uh, more in tune and, and relatable to to all the people I'm working with. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. I love that you brought this up because especially for folks who might be wired in a bit more, I would say the technical fields, right? The brain is kind of drives a lot of how we're thinking. Um, I have a side of me that can be like that. Um, so I really appreciate you bringing it up there. And um, I might offer that, if we think about ourselves, um, you know, as the diamonds, and so part of the parts that we show are polished and we're very proud of them and we know them. And then parts of us might be a little rough around the edges. We may not even know them. But thinking about the fact that there is the fun-loving, relatable, maybe even a little goofy part that may come out in, in a, you know, when you're out at a bar or with the old buddies and realizing that that's a part of you that you could give yourself permission to share in a different setting. Um, and as a mm-hmm. parent, right, there has to be a lot of empathy. You've got girls, for gosh sake. So I know that you can, you know, hug them and, and be more emoting. And so just a little bit of trying that on, you know, I'm talking to listeners out there, I realize there's a lot of depth within us. And then that ability to give ourselves permission to just try it on. What's it like? Uh, you don't have to stay there forever but can give, it helps kind of grow a different experience of um, you with yourself. Great. Yeah. Thank you. I throw that out there. Uh, so you've, uh, you've done a lot. I know there's more to come. Do you have a proudest accomplishment so far, Kevin? Well, um, I didn't, I didn't start this, but uh, I mentioned that we have a, have a foundation and we're, uh, you know, passionate about improving our communities. Uh, I serve on a number of boards, but I think what's interesting about the foundation is we, we contribute about uh, 5% of our profits to the foundation each year. So uh, kind of like the Paul Newman salad dressing, uh, you know, I really thought about it that way, but uh, you know, everything, a portion of everything we sell, uh, we make a grant to our foundation and uh, you know, it's grown to over $50 million and we're, we're giving away uh, 5% primarily to educational uh, uh, institutions but also uh, to uh, efforts to reduce poverty, primarily through United Way in our area. I'm a past campaign chair there, but uh, I think, yeah, just, just the, uh, 
the the good that we're we're trying to do for the communities to to build them and make them stronger. That's fabulous. I love that role modeling. I, I can tell that 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 res- really resonates for you. Um, I will ask you, what do you want most for your girls? Hmm. Well, uh, I think first and foremost is good health. Uh, with that, without that, you don't have much um, happiness and, and to follow their passions. They're, they've, uh, again, they've been blessed like I have and, and they have opportunities to do things that uh, they may not have otherwise thought of doing. Uh, but they are, um, they're going to be successful in, in whatever they choose to do. And they're, they're awesome in school. And again, I'm, I'm wishing them the best and I, I know they'll be successful. Fabulous. Uh, you have talked a lot about, you know, I know you're not one to talk a lot about yourself. I'm very well aware of that. And so I'm just wondering <laughs> if you think about all that you said, is there a top takeaway that you have from everything you shared? Well, uh, you know, you talk about growth edge. Well, I think this this podcast was a bit of a growth edge for me. Uh, I appreciated uh, uh, the chance to reflect on uh, uh, on what we were going to talk about today, uh, and I think it's given me ideas for uh, additional uh, growth and development. I also uh, am appreciating more, you know, the power of sharing and and, and sharing some of these ideas uh, with you. I think it's uh, it's it's powerful for me as well. Fabulous. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, just one last question. What was it like for you to share your journey? Well, um, I, I guess I was a little nervous about it. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of really good things and, and uh, positive things we're doing that I, that I wanted to share. And uh, again, I'm, I'm grateful that you asked me and, uh, and happy we were able to spend this time together. The pleasure has been mine, Kevin. I am so inspired by you and and what the the company is doing and uh, what you stand for in the world. It's what we need more of. And um, it's very inspiring. I encourage folks, we'll share the links, the company's uh, website and all for you to check out 200 jobs out there, folks. So apply. (laughs) Um, And I definitely want to appreciate for you for being part of the solution. And you are helping all to be seen, heard, understood, and are very true and best selves. So thanks so much. If I can do anything to help you, Kevin, please let me know. Thanks, Molly. Have a great day. You too. Okay, folks. Thought for the week, courtesy of Kevin, shared sacrifice helps us come through stronger. And that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify Kevin's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality. Essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? 
visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 